talk for a little bit because I'm like loopy today. I mean, look at my face. I couldn't even do the makeup situation because I have been up since the crack of dawn. Um, as many of you guys know, it was Jeffrey Pichelle's sentencing hearing today. So I wanted to be able to cover that, which I did. Um, and, you know, because we're on court time, uh, it didn't start when it was supposed to start. And, you know, it's East Coast. I'm West Coast. It was a big mess. So I've been up for a long time doing a lot of editing and writing and all the things. Um, but I do want to talk about uh, his sentencing a little bit. And then I will get into detail uh, tomorrow in News and Gossip. For my Patreon subscribers, uh, I did have a couple of people at the courthouse that were filling me in on what we weren't seeing on court TV. Um I will say this, that me, myself, and I, and the Melanated Way will always stand in alliance with the victims. And that being said, I've been bombarded all day about his sentencing, 18 years, all of that. And what I need a lot of you guys to understand, uh, just following the trial, the criminal justice system in America, uh, specifically in Tennessee, is that there is an enhanced, it's called an enhanced sentencing factor. And what that means is if you are considered, like I think back in the day in the 80s, they called it a three strike system where if you were a habitual offender, your third strike, doesn't matter what it was, if you broke the law, your third strike would land you in prison for a lifetime. Tennessee has the enhanced sentencing factor, meaning if Jeffrey was considered a Schedule II offender, so there's Schedule One and there's Schedule II offender, meaning he's a repeat habitual offender, and not just like, oh, a misdemeanor here, a misdemeanor there, felony offender, then in sentencing, the judge can take that into consideration. Now, a lot of people have been hitting me up saying, oh my God, 18 years, they're using him as an example. That's not fair. I can't believe that. And what I need you guys to do, those people that are hitting me up, is understand that A, this is not his, he's not a first time offender. It's not like he's never done anything in his life. This is first time, first rodeo in the judicial system. Jeffrey is a repeat offender with a lengthy felony record. The prosecutor then went ahead and used that record and asked for an enhanced sentencing feature. That being said, because he's a Schedule II offender, minimum of 12 years, maximum of 20 years, and 100% time served which I'll get into more detail because this is not the show, but tomorrow I'll get into more detail in what all of that means. So for all of you guys that are up in arms about his lengthy sentence, just remember he's not a first-time offender. That's all I have to say to you. And again, domestic violence is a big deal. So those of you that are coming at me saying he's not a child molester, this or that, he didn't kill anyone. I, you know what? I don't need to hear that. All I know is he's an habitual offender. And I want to leave you with this, this thought before I move on. You know, in one of my undergrad courses, uh, I did take criminology as an undergrad. One of my, anyways, criminology was one of the topics that I, I studied as an undergrad. And one of my first year professors um, said a lot of stuff. He had a lot of great stuff to say, but he, the one thing he did say is, is with repeat offenders, by the time they come to court, it's not 
when they got caught, it's they got caught for this time. And because they're habitual offenders, how many other times have they not been caught? And I encourage you guys to think about that. Think about if you saw the trial on court TV today, what you saw, and to remember that this he's not this is not his first time. Okay, this is not his first time being convicted of a felony. Um, he has multiple felonies, and you can look that up; it's public record. Um, and so the judge was absolutely within his sentencing guidelines to decide to give him 18 years. All right, that's enough of that. Hey, Morph, welcome. I don't know if you want to say anything in the live chat, but go ahead and feel free. Um, I'm not going to say anything if you don't say anything. Um, and that being said, you guys, thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, I do want to also talk about something that's totally random, has nothing to do with anything, but, um, yeah, you guys, a lot of people are saying, why are, why are people normalizing Jeffrey's behavior? Dream Big says exactly. And what would he have done to his next victim? I just need you guys to look at the full picture. Uh, hey, Better Days. Better Days says, I thought the judge did a great job throughout. Listen, it was an all-day affair. It was an all-day affair. It was an all-day affair. And apparently, it was freezing in the courthouse. And a lot of people were not happy about that. But if you've ever been to a courthouse, the AC is on full blast because you're there and there's people coming in and out, and some of them are stinky and all this stuff. So they blast that air in any courthouse in any city that you go to. You'll notice that. So bring a jacket. So, um, again, I'm going to cover the rest of the Jeffrey trial tomorrow on my news and gossip. I am going to stick to uh, after the 90 days today. And talk about David and Annie, Lauren and Alexi. And then before I get into that, though, I do want to say something that's super random. But it's really on my mind because it was also something I needed to do today. So, you guys, I don't know where you all live. But where I live, I need to do groceries. So I did groceries today. And I don't understand why they're so expensive. So let's say I wanted to spend $100 for one person. That should be a lot. I should get a lot, a lot of bang for my buck. And it literally is nothing. And I, I get inflation. I get what's happening, all the things. But, I mean, food is basic. We all need to eat. I don't, between the Canadian truckers and doing their thing and holding up the food and then whatever's happening in Los Angeles at Long Beach Porch and all the things, I just I just need you guys to know that, like, we're human and we, we need sustenance. And... I just don't think that the shell should be empty. And like, I don't think that if I want like a little basket of strawberries that it should cost eight bucks. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, are we going to have a long news and gossip tomorrow night? Seems there has been a lot happening this week. It's absolutely going to be long. They tend to be long, but it's going to be extra long because I'm covering not only news and gossip, but I am going to cover uh, the Jeffrey trial as well. Um, in detail and um, I guess with some behind the scenes stuff, if that's the proper way to say it. All right, let's get into David and Annie. Uh, season one, episode four, change of plans. All right, so we all know Jordan doesn't want to go to America. Facts, more facts. And if I would literally get up and show you guys right now, because it's just one of those little containers. I'm used to going to like farmer's markets, getting fresh strawberries. You get the big things. You freeze some of them. You have smoothies for days. This little BS container was $8. But I was like craving strawberries. And I was like, $8? And then, you know, you have to eat strawberries fast because they go bad quickly. But then my mom told me a little secret today because I was, again, complaining about the food prices. And if you want to know what the secret is, since I'm obviously rambling um so here's what you do you keep the strawberries in your little container and you get a bowl and you throw water in and you put a little bit of apple cider vinegar while it's still in the little plastic containers that has a little hole and you dip it in 
and then you rinse them out and it lasts longer. That's what my mom told me. My mom knows everything. So if you want your strawberries to last longer because you paid $8 for a little container and you don't want them to go bad and you're just the one person eating them, I suggest that you follow my mother's advice. Okay. David and Annie. Uh, Jordan doesn't want to go to America. He's not ready, he says. And uh, Annie feels bad and she's crying because she feels like she's forcing him to do something that he doesn't want to do. Um, but David says, listen, you need to push him. He's like a kid. He doesn't know what he's doing, which I agree. And he's also been in some trouble. So he's going to continue down at this destructive path. And so as the adults, we have to make the adult decisions for him. And he may not like it now, but in the future, he's going to like him. So Annie's crying and explaining to Jordan that this is an opportunity, right? Um, and she, she gives her own personal journey how at his age she used to work at a factory so she you know didn't have the opportunity to explore extended schooling she was getting like 200 bot a day which equivalent to 200 dollars a month and that's what she was surviving on and she just wants a better life for him and she asked him like do you want a better life and he says yes and she goes on to explain how she just loves her cousin and her brother more than her own life. And she wants to be able to give them all the opportunity that she didn't have in her life because she knows how it is for them. Um, <clears throat> hey, world nerd, world word nerd. Well, I don't know. You know why I can't speak properly? Because I've been up forever. Too many hours today. Um, word nerd is upset with the the convoy of trucks in Canada. They are holding up a lot of stuff, you guys. If you don't know about it, you should you should look into it because it's it's quite the thing. Anyhow, Annie's upset, David's upset, even Jordan's upset. And Jordan finally comes to realize, like, hey, you know what? I feel guilty because I made my sister cry. And I haven't seen her cry in a long time. And on the one hand, he wants to grow and he wants to go to the U.S. now because he wants to be able to open up his world and see new things and experience new things and have the opportunity. But on the other hand, he doesn't want to go because, you know, he's a kid. He's going to miss home. He's going to miss his mom and dad. He's going to miss his friends. He's going to miss what he knows. Um, and it's hard, right? Change is hard. And especially when you're young, right? When you're young, you just want to be with your little circle of friends, your little, little life and, and do that to up and change, not know the language, never have traveled, not know the country, um, be away from your parents. It's a big deal. It's a super big deal. And it's hard to do. And you definitely have to be a strong individual um, to be able to do that. You know, I remember when, um, Long story short, I represented my province um, on an exchange, a student exchange, and I was away for the very first time by myself, traveling by myself, and I uh, did an exchange in Japan, Osaka. And that whole experience was crazy because I was away, first time traveling by myself, internationally, um, going to a major city, going to school in a major city, not knowing the language, having to learn the language because I'm going to school there and uh, living with a host family and getting to that whole situation situated and then learning the city at a young age while you're still in high school. And I don't know if any of you guys have been to Japan, but it's, you know, very congested. And I remember my first time riding the train and literally like you're back to back to back to back to back to back to people and, you know, the workers have their little gloves on and all they do is push and push and push you into the train and the doors close and you're like smack face. It's a whole thing. So I get Jordan, like I get being scared for something new, but I also get Annie saying, you know what, this, the world is your oyster now and you're gonna have so many more opportunities where you decide to stay in America or you go back to Thailand with all the skills and opportunities that living in your small village probably would not have presented to you. 
So he decides Jordan is going to try and he apologizes to David. He apologizes to Annie for bucking up and running away. Um, and then she, Annie makes this funny joke and Annie, you know, I love her, her little personality and I think she's super funny, but she's like, don't worry, Jordan. You know, there's tons of girls in the U S and he's like, mm, I don't want one. And she's like, that's great because then we won't have to pay a dowry. And I died of laughter. So they're packing. Um, and it's this very sweet moment between Annie, Amber and Jordan. And she just wants to make sure that they 100% want to go to America before she uproots their lives and she asked them, you know, what are your worries? And what are you worried about most about going to the U.S.? Um, this, this part, I do have to say this. So Word Nerd says, these kids are brave, braver than Ella's rancher's parents who probably have never left Idaho. Those are facts. Because when they kept saying the Dubai, the Dubai, and when they kept saying, um, oh, you know, Ella, we don't want you to go because, you know, you're white naive and you're traveling to the middle east is not a good idea right now i was like do you even know where dubai is since you're calling it the dubai anyhow annie wants to know and talk you know very specifically to jordan and amber about what their concerns are and you know she's like what worries you most Amber says the first thing that worries her is the language, right? So she didn't speak the language. She's worried, like, is she going to be able to learn the language, all the things. And Annie said, you know, I was worried too, but all you can do is do your best and figure it out because that's what she did. And you have to fight for it and you have to fight for it and you have to want it. And if you fight for it and you want it, then you're going to be able to conquer. And I truly do believe that. I truly do believe that. I do believe that you can learn whatever you really do want to learn. Now, have I been trying to learn Spanish for many years? Absolutely. Have I been paying it enough attention? No. But I'll give you a little fun fact about myself. And don't tell, don't tell anyone that knows me. Don't tell my family members. None of that. But when I've been drinking, and I'm not like just like, oh, I had a glass. Like drinking, drinking, which doesn't happen very often anymore. But when I've been drinking... I speak fluent Spanish. I don't know where it comes from. I don't understand it. I I could tell you guys a story that you just would think was outrageous, but it's there. So if you want to learn a language, if you want to learn a language, you can absolutely learn it. Morph says, my wife is from Mexico and I still can't speak Spanish. Listen, my little Spanish story is ridiculous. There's no... It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Anyhow, get me liquored up and habla espanol. <laughs> On to the second issue. So Annie says, you know, just do your best, try hard and fight for it. Um, also, Annie wants to remind them that, you know, opportunity doesn't come often, so you have to hold on to it. And you know what? That's something that we can all live by, right? It was a great reminder for myself that, you know, oftentimes, like sometimes I don't want to do stuff. Honestly, sometimes I don't want to do stuff, but opportunity doesn't always present itself all the time. So you have to seize the moment. Carpe diem, seize the moment, because not everyone gets the same opportunities, right? So... You know, they don't come often, so hold on to it. Great advice. And in talking, we learned that Amber and Jordan are super proud of Annie because, you know, they feel like she's a strong person because of everything she's gone through. You know, she went to the U.S. with David, her husband, who had no money and was a bit of a scrub, and they struggled. And if you guys think about how far David and Annie have come, they remember they used to live in that that like shed and then they used to live in a firehouse that was like an old abandoned firehouse and then david's best friend at the time was like completely sponsoring them it was a whole thing like if you go back they've come so very far so far that they can now sponsor two teenagers it's amazing like who knew like bravo david and annie bravo because i would just 
I'm a super David and Annie fan, but I think that when we first met them, none of us were a David and Annie fan. We were like, Annie, run! Anyhow, um, so because they're so happy and impressed with Annie, they think that that gives them the confidence um, that they can succeed as well because they have good good role models, right? The two role models came from mere beginnings and were able to be successful. Now, one of the things I was thinking about, and I would love to know what you guys think in the live chat, um, is this. Do you think, because I was thinking about it, do you think that David and Annie would be as successful and so far, far along in their journey had they not been on 90 Day Fiancé? Or do you think that 90 Day Fiancé expedited their successes in life? Let me know what you think in the live chat. Let me know what you think if you're watching the replay. I'm curious because that thought came into my mind because I was I was talking I was thinking about how she was saying like opportunity opportunity and everyone thinks America is like America land of opportunity and all the things then I wonder like how many people actually go to America and have the real opportunity especially nowadays to get the American dream. Um. Crystal says, no way. 90 day expediated it for sure. Big Dream says, 90 day, no doubt. And Geek Girl says, being on TV, capulated, capulated. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> Catapulted them for sure. Everyone thinks 90 day was a factor. I agree. Um, the second thing Annie wanted to talk to them about was adjustments, right? So they're going to be in Arizona and she's explaining that the city's a desert. It's very hot. She's like, it only rains twice a year. I, I recently was in Phoenix this year and it was, you guys have, who's been to Phoenix? I think they live in Foothill though. Um, but it's hot y'all. It's hot. It's hot. So when Abby said it only rains twice a year, I was like, I agree with her. Like they, everywhere you go, they have those little mist things in Phoenix so that you literally don't burn up. Mist, mist. And it's, listen, it's cheap to live there. Like gas is the first thing that I noticed. The gas prices were like regular people prices. Um, and I, I mean, I think there's a lot to do there. And I think that there's a, a lot to, like, if you're outdoorsy, there's a lot of outdoorsy stuff. And it seems like you can, like, still afford to buy a house if that's, like, your dream and stuff like that. So um, those are good things. But it is hot. It is hot. And Jordan's like, so you're bringing us to torture them? And I laughed. Yeah, see, Dream Big says it was 115 at 8 a.m. when I was there. And Crystal says, it's dry heat, though. I'm from Houston. The humidity is horrible. It's like breathing through a hot, wet blanket. So I have no issue with dry heat. I have to tell you, though, the dry heat is no joke. The one thing that, like, try getting into your car. Try, like, sitting down. Try touching the steering wheel when it's, like, hot. Ew. Um, but it is, I love it. I would totally go to Phoenix and hang out all the time um, because there is a lot to do there. And um, yeah, they have a really good arts district too. Um, so she talks about those adjustments because obviously those are going to be major adjustments for Amber and Jordan moving from Thailand to Arizona. Uh, the producer ask Amber and Jordan a question, which I think is hilarious because it's interesting to me. Uh, foreigners always think that for sure about the West, anywhere in the West, they think a specific thing. Um, so the producer asks Amber and Jordan, how would you describe America? And Jordan says it's full of tall buildings and luxurious cars. 
Um, and Amber says it will mostly be a lot of carbs, like bread and potatoes. And I died of laughter because I'm going to tell you something. The very first time I came to America, I was like thinking the same thing, right? So I wanted to see, I wanted to see, um, like 90210 Beverly Hills, that whole thing, right? I'm going to tell you guys a funny story because it was really messed up, by the way. So I wanted to see that. I want to see Beverly Hills for the first time because, you know, 90210, you know, that's what I kind of grew up watching. And and I wanted to see how those people lived. So I wanted to go to Beverly Hills. So I wanted to go to Rodeo Drive specifically and see all, like, you know, the name brand stores and such. So we're going and we don't know where we're going. It's a bunch of Canadians and the blind leading the blind clearly. And so the driver pulls over for directions and asks someone, hey, we want to go to Rodeo Drive. And the person's like, oh, you got to go here. You got to go here. You got to turn here. You got to turn here, blah, blah, blah. So we do all those things. And you want to know. And I'm still thinking about you guys all these years later. Do you want to know where they sent us? In California, Los Angeles specifically, there's a Rodeo Drive and there's Rodeo Street. And we went to Rodeo Street and it did not look like Rodeo Drive. And we were very confused. So. America, tall buildings, luxurious cars. Carbs, bread, potatoes, those are all true because you come here, it's all burgers and fries. The other thing that I think is amazing is in Canada, like shots are different, right? So without putting all my business out there, spring break for us Canadians, we'd always go to Miami. And, you know, spring break is spring break. You're going to do spring break things. And we were used to Canadian shots. That There were regular, like, two-ounce little shots oh no in miami you might as well like literally this is my glass right here this should this should just be a shot in miami and when i tell you who knew who knew this is one of the reasons that i just i can't drink tequila anymore because the shots in america are way different than the shots in canada and you can ask any canadian that's in the live chat that's been to america that this what i'm saying is a true statement so I, uh, Crystal said that person didn't value y'all's lives. <laughs> okay, so I don't know how many of y'all drink tequila, but tequila is one of those alcohols that are misleading, in my opinion, and. You can sit and be social. So you think about it. We're South Beach. We're outside, poolside, doing shots. We just arrived. We're kicking back, having a good time, doing shots, shot, shot. And, you know, you're sitting down, right? So when you're sitting down and you're doing shots of tequila, life is grand. It's like a party. Um, It's like a party. Yeah, that's what I said. Vanessa said it's pronounced different. Yes, it's. Rodeo versus Rodeo. Rodeo Drive versus Rodeo Street. If that wasn't clear when I said it earlier, they're completely different places in completely different areas in Los Angeles, and they do not look the same. Okay, so Morph, tell me if I'm telling you the truth. So you're sitting down, you're drinking shots of tequila, and you feel social and happy, and you're like, woo, 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 spring break. Okay, then you get up. When you stand up after you've done a bunch of tequila shots, it is like, it is like a whole, you know how like a water slide, when you go down the water slide, it's like whoosh. That's what it's like. You stand up and the tequila goes from your brain, whoosh, through your body. And then you're just drunk. You're just drunk. You can't stand properly. You're like drunk, drunk. That's what happened. And I won't tell you the rest of the story because what happens in Miami stays in Miami. But let's just say the first two hours were a hot mess spring break. Facts, dream big, facts. Those are two states. I wouldn't know personally. I wouldn't know personally dream big, but I 
what I heard was <laughs> anyhow um the third thing that Annie asked the third thing that Annie asked was are you ready are you ready to come to America Amber was like yes and she and she was confident about it. She was like, yes, I'm ready for the opportunity. And Jordan's like, yes. And Annie asks the follow-up question. If you run into obstacles, will you give up? And I was like, am I at a TED Talk right now? Because Annie's preaching life lessons to me. All the things that I, and I think it's because I've been up since the crack of dawn following this trial and editing and writing and blah, blah, blah. I was like, is Annie talking to me directly? Is she is she giving me Darcy inspirational quotes that actually are just a bunch of words strung together that actually are speaking to me? She says, if you run into obstacles, will you give up? And the answer is no, because life is all about overcoming the obstacles. Does tequila make your you your drunk Spanish better compared to other? No, um, no, Crystal. No, I don't drink tequila very often. Tequila is sloppy for me, so I'll just stick to like wine, um, or like whiskey or vodka, depending on what the situation is. But yeah, no, no. Tequila just makes me messy. And no one wants to see a messy Linda. Okay, so then um, Jordan is all on board. And as we know, Jordan was not on board. He didn't want to go. He wasn't ready. He's now on board. He really wants to take advantage of this opportunity. And really, at the end of the day, he's doing it for his family. Um, so it's the next day. They're leaving for Bangkok. Um, Auntie Lom is not there because it's just really too hard for her to say goodbye. And we know why, because, you know, she lost her, her kid and these kids are like her kids, all the things. So she stayed away, which I thought was kind of sad because you don't know when the next time you're going to see these two. And if, because they're so important to you, you know, you should take the time to say goodbye because it probably would be very meaningful for you in that moment. It also help you heal. So she doesn't show up, but uh, Sangat and Yot, Annie's parents, uh, are there to say goodbye as well as Amber's parents. And everyone's going to miss everyone. I was like, again, I must be super tired. I am a wimp when it comes to like watching TV and getting all emotional, but I was like crying with them. It was so like, because it is hard to say goodbye. And especially in the pandemic where you didn't get to see people for so long and then you see them and the time flies and then it was so sad and it was all very emotional and everyone was crying, including me. Um, so... They get in the car and I needed to show you guys this because I was like, they're getting in the car. They're saying their goodbyes. Um, Amber's having true thoughts about like, will people like me in the U.S.? Will they be sincere? And I was like, this girl has quite the knowledge for a 16 year old because yeah, will people like you in the U.S.? Because it's kind of hard to make friends here, especially as you get older, because everyone seems to have known everyone forever. They've all just grown up with each other. So coming in as a as an immigrant is something different. So it's a valid, valid um, concern. And will people be sincere? That is a question you can ask anyone, anywhere, right? Will they be sincere? So I thought that those were valid questions. And then seeing Amber... And Net, her best friend, say goodbye, also had me in tears because those two have known each other since the fourth grade. And Net talks about how she feels like part of her is going to be missing once Amber leaves. And I just was like so sad. It was so sad. Anyways, they get in the car. As you see, they're getting into the car here. 
And I was like, does anyone, because you know, I find that production will let things just run amok. Like earlier in the episode, I don't know if you know this about me, but those of you guys that are my regulars, you know, I get distracted by things. And when David and Annie and Jordan had their little tete-a-tete and went inside, David had all this dust on his butt. And I was like, couldn't production tell him or couldn't they reshoot that so that he doesn't look like he's all dirty and nasty? And then even with Darcy and Stacy and Stacy and Darcy's tracks always showing, why can't someone just tell them, hey, listen, your tracks are showing. Let's let's fix your hair. Where's wardrobe? Where's hair and makeup? And then here I was like, is production going to say as they get in the car that their dog is under the wheel well? Who's going to say that? Because he's literally right under the wheel well. And no one addresses it. Like, hey, puppy, we're going to miss you. We're leaving. Bye for now. No, just like, oh, let's just not run over the dog. <laughs> Anyhow, David is feeling pressure because he wants to make sure this is the right thing to do to take the kids uh, because he wants to make sure that it's the right thing and that they become successful. And this is all a very successful situation. Um, Crystal, right? Production be doing people wrong. That's like on Married at First Sight, they showed one of the guys getting into bed with dirty ass underwear. Listen, they don't care. I find it interesting. Remember that episode with Sinjin? He was walking around his house in South Africa and his feet were dirty as like dirty, like not even a little bit dirty, like dirty. And then Tanya was sitting in bed eating ribs and the ribs were all over her face and her fingers. And he got in the bed with his dirty feet and no one said anything. They're savage. They're savage, y'all. Anyhow, um, <laughs> they have a eight to nine hour drive back to Bangkok. Instead of staying in a hotel, they're going to be staying in a condo. And if it was Darcy and Stacy, they would say that they rented a villa. And that first night, Jordan cooked for them. He made red curry, roti, and meatballs, which I thought was awesome because he looks like 14 and he already knows how to cook. And we find out that Jordan, you know, has dreams of being a chef, which I think is fantastic. And he's going to have that opportunity to learn so much in america and you know maybe who knows maybe he'll he'll open up a, ch a chain of restaurants and we'll all remember when we saw him on a 90 day fiance who knows um they're gonna go to the embassy the next morning to get the visas the process is supposed to be very quick in and out um five minutes they think five ten minutes and so the next day they wake up and thailand is on shutdown complete lockdown because of the Delta variant. We're all living in this pandemic world. So no one can travel. No one can go outside. They show us the city. Um, and if you know Bangkok, it was weird to see. Like it, it was deserted. And that like, that city is like, those roundabouts, you better know how to drive. Like if you can drive in Thailand, you can drive anywhere. Um, but there was no one. So they're on lockdown. They have a 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. curfew. They're supposed to shelter in place. Done. Lockdown. No one's going anywhere. So David and Annie call their immigration lawyer, Jessica, to see what, what options they have. And they find out that the embassy is only open to legal citizens and permanent residents, um, which means that they're closed not sure when they're going to reopen for visa processing. It could be a day, a week, a month. They don't know. It all depends on what's happening with this new variant. And so they're all stuck there. Now, David mentions that David and Annie could technically go back because David's a citizen and Annie has her green card. So they could fly back to America, no problem. They could go to the embassy, no problem. But, you know, they have Jordan and Amber. What are they going to do? Drive back to her village and drop them off and be like, peace, we're out. We'll try this another time. Or since now they're a family, they're going to work it out like a family. And that's what they chose to do. So they're going to stick it out in the condo. They're going to hang out in, in Bangkok. Um, and they're going to they're going to work through it as a family. 
Seven days later, they're still on lockdown. Um, Thailand has extended the lockdown for another two weeks to a month. So they're going to be there for the long haul. And David is basically like, this is a shit show. Everything is closed. Shopping is closed. They're trying to go um, and stock up on food. But all the, even the market, only certain pl little places are open and only the grocery store specifically so that people can get basics. Going back to what I'm saying, groceries are too expensive right now. I need it to stop. If y'all want me to like not go out all the time to eat because outside dining and limited dining inside and blah, 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 then you guys have to allow us to be able to shop and you have to have food on the shelves and they, it can't cost so much money because what's the incentive of going grocery shopping if you go grocery shopping and you get less than if you go out to eat? It makes no sense. Stop it. And we need to eat. Okay. So they're stocking up on food uh, because they don't know how long they're going to be there. And they're trying to work through everyone just being in this one little condo, right? So Jordan isn't sleeping at night because his routine is off. Amber's learning how to cook. She's learning how to make dumplings. But they're both bored and they both can't take the lockdown. And Jordan is feeling homesick. He misses his mom and his dad and their dog. And he's scared that really they're just going to be stuck there and not be able to go to the US. Now, here's the funny thing. Um, David and Annie are off to the mini mart. And this is this is the thing, you guys, that cracked me up the most. And I definitely want to talk about it in the live chat. So David and Annie are on the way to the mini mart because what I didn't know and something that I just learned off this show is like last year when Thailand went on their first lockdown, you weren't able to get alcohol. So not even for personal consumption. So because they were afraid that people would party and not social distance. So they stopped selling alcohol for everyone. Now, I don't know about y'all. Okay, I don't know about y'all. And I'm not calling anyone out. I'm not saying I know something that I don't know. But I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine Canada, America. I can't imagine anywhere, actually, that... Can you, because you know what, in the U.S. and California specifically, liquor stores were essential services. Liquor stores were open the whole pandemic. So I cannot imagine what crazy apocalyptic zombie takeover would have happened if you told Americans that there would be no no alcohol sold during the pandemic and y'all are staying at home. You're on lockdown. You can't go anywhere. Can you imagine y'all? Cause I was, I started laughing. I was like, you know what? The revolution would have been here in 2020. Cause these fools, these fools would have lost their mind. Can you imagine getting through the pandemic with no alcohol? Anyone, anyone? Vanessa says they could not do that here. And Crystal says they would have looted for sure. And Vanessa said liquor is still delivered from some restaurants. I'm just saying, imagine. <gasps> Dream Big says they shut liquor stores down in Pennsylvania when COVID first hit. Tell us more. I'm so curious because I know like some of these people listen. I, tell us more. Tell us more. Because that's fascinating to me. Anyway, so they are going to the mini mart to get alcohol. Um, because Annie says, if they ban alcohol while they're there, then literally they're effed. She's like, because what are we supposed to do? David's like, are we supposed to sit here and meditate? And <laughs> Annie, because you know it's Annie. Annie's like, oh, what are we supposed to sit here and jack off? So... Um, they get in the store, you got to do a temperature check first. And David asks in Thai, in Talag, 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 um, for two bottles of red wine, two bottles of whiskey. And I love the fact that, oh, word nerd, thank you so much. Thank you. My strawberry fun. Yes, girl. Yes. Listen, 
listen, word nerd, it traumatized me. I'm traumatized by how much groceries cost. I'm traumatized. So I appreciate the super chat so very much. And plus, I worked my ass off today, you guys. I covered that whole trial in real time. And you can go to 90 Day the Melanated Way for all the in-depth videos, all the things. I even updated with Vario's official statement, which is the whole thing that I'm going to talk about tomorrow. So I appreciate the support, word nerd. Um, Geek Girl says, we had malls and non-essential stores closed and part of Walmart roped off because they were considered non-essential, but at least we had alcohol. That's all I'm saying. Um, the lockdown ended up, you know, taking a toll on them as it did all of us, uh, but they're getting it, getting through it together as we all are. And, you know, the biggest concern is Jordan because Jordan is bored and Jordan is a young boy and he is a young teenage boy. I think that says enough. He's bored. He feels stuck. He misses his friends. He misses home. He misses the water buffaloes. He just misses everything, right? And you have to keep them occupied because, you know, this is a young kid. Wants to run free, be with his friends, all the things. So we'll see what happens. Next, the little trailer to next episode looks like they finally get to the embassy. So uh, we'll keep you posted next, next week on that. On to Lauren and Alexi. False Alarm, episode four. Lauren's on her way to the OBGYN and Alex and Shy are off to his swim lessons. You know, Alex, back to the real world. He had eight days with friends and family and drinking and partying and weddings and all the things. And now he has real life, real world responsibilities. Um, and so they're at Shy's swim lesson. What we learned, which is so cute, is first of all, they were wearing matching trunks, daddy and, and son. Um, but Alex has to hide because if Shy sees him while he's in his swim lessons, he freaks out, starts crying, all the things. And so the lessons don't go very well. And so the other thing that Alex shared was that anytime they're out in public, Shy is very clingy. So they're very, very close, father and son, which is really sweet. So Shy's getting swim lessons from Christina, his swim teacher. She seemed super like chill. Like she was in the right job for her, for sure. Uh, Alex, she's a really good swim teacher. And Alex talks a little bit about how in America, there's Americans have so many rules and like coddle their children versus in, uh, Israelis. They let them just like fall and learn and so you can kind of see where their parenting styles were going. Like Alex really just wants to be kind of more rough and tumble and learn as you go. And Lauren wants to be more protective and make sure like nothing happens to her babies, which, you know, I think all moms feel that way to some extent. Um, towards the end of the lesson, Alex jumps in the water. And all I can say, you guys, is I don't know. That's a good question. I, I guess he interchanges between Alex and Alexi because it's Lauren and Alexi in the title, but in the show, she calls them Alex. So maybe she just interchanges them. I don't know. Um, but y'all, Alex took his shirt off and I know I am not the only one that saw the six, eight pack, pow, 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 as he dove into the water. I was like, that's why you guys have two under two. It's all of that. <laughs> um, so he comes in and he <laughs> he uh, ends the swim lesson with his son. It was a very sweet moment. Meanwhile, over at Dr. Santo's office, Lauren is traumatized from her first delivery with Shy because Shy's a preemie um, and she had preeclampsia and she needed a C-section. So she's still like dealing with having to go through that. And so she's worried that uh, baby Bowton might come too early. 
but anything is possible, right? Anything is possible right now with her. And so she sits down and she's having some sharp pains and she's like out of like a scale of one to 10, she's at a nine. And uh, Dr. Santos says, you know, this baby's bigger and more developed than her last baby. And so he has some concerns. So he's doing this ultrasound uh, with her. But um, the baby is being supported and hear me out because I don't know, I am not a mom yet. I don't know enough about this, but I did reach out to our resident midwife, midwife Crystal claps all around. She is in the live chat right now. So if I get it wrong, I know she can correct me. Um, but okay. So the baby's bigger. Lauren has a small or a short cervix. So she has a serlage. Is that, am I saying it right? Serlage implanted in her. So that helps her to stay pregnant. Now I reached out to midwife crystal because I wanted to know like exactly what it is. This whole situation is. So I asked her, Am I saying it right, Crystal? Cerclage? Cerclage? Is that right? Whatever. I asked her if they're very common. And she said, they're not common at all. She has a trans-abdominal cerclage that was placed surgically. Um, it can stay in for years. This means she must have had a lot of miscarriages or losses um, in her history or has some history of that. And so if you guys are looking on your screen, the transabdominal cerclage is the one on the left where you see it's the uterus and then that silver ring and then the cervix. So that's where it is. And so it can be left in place for future pregnancies, but you have to deliver by cesarean C-section. So she goes on to say that, um, Perhaps it may mean that Lauren had some miscarriages or losses in her history or some history of that. Um, so where they realized that her cervix is very short and doesn't stay closed like it normally should. Um, and then she went on to say that what you typically see more often are cervical cerclages, which is the one you see on the right-hand side of your screen that are placed during early pregnancy for someone at risk for going into preterm labor and loss because their cervix is open. Uh, they stitch the cervix closed. It's usually removed at the end of the pregnancy so the patient can deliver vaginally. So there's two different types. Lauren has the trans abdominal one, um, which is implanted and long-term, like it just can stay there. And then the transvaginal one um, is the one where it's just there for your pregnancy and then they take it out and then you can still deliver uh, vaginally or by cesarean section. So I learned something new today and I'm sharing that knowledge with you guys. I hope I got everything right. Yes, that's right. Thank you very much. Um, but super fascinating because, you know, women are so strong and they go through so many things and who knew, like, this is something I'm a grown ass woman. I had no idea that this was a thing. So that all being said, um, she has the trans abdominal cerclage um, to help her stay pregnant. And it was a permanent surgery. So it's in there, but the, her baby is pushing on her cervix with his legs. So if he steps too hard, he can break it. So this, that little silver ring you see there. He, if, as he's, you know, babies move and push and kick and all this stuff. If he kicks her cervix too hard, he can break it and then he comes out. And that's her worry because um, it's too early. And every day that passes that he's in her belly is better for the baby. So the doctor talks about if um, Lauren were to have delivered tomorrow, the baby would be 32 weeks, meaning that 
um, it's a preemie and he would have to stay in the hospital in NICU for four weeks. And Lauren starts crying. Cause obviously that's, you know, an emotional thing. Um, and when she had shy, shy was in the NICU for a day and that was scary to her. And so to think that, you know, her baby, uh, Bowton would have to be there for four weeks which we already know in real time, he was in the NICU for quite some time. Um, so it was scary for her. So her delivery date was sep September 9th, uh, but, but given her circumference and what they know is going on with her, her birthing right now, the doctor moved her delivery date up to August 20th, uh, which would make her about 35 weeks, uh, which means that baby Bowton would still have to be in the NICU for a week to a week and a half. And I just want to say a little something about Nick, the NICU. My understanding is that there are a lot of babies that are born uh, premature and a lot of babies stay in the NICU for an extended period of time. And if you feel so led, there are a lot of nonprofits that you can help those parents out because they spend 24 seven being with their babies and they're already high stress and emotional and all that stuff. And there are um, agencies and um, I don't know the other word I'm looking for, like nonprofits that support those families. They send them like hot meals and uh, knit little caps because you know they're preemies so the little knit caps that they wear have to be a little bit smaller and a little bit the little mitts and you can like donate your time if you're like a knitter or, or any of that you can donate and so i encourage you guys if you have a little extra time and a little love in your heart uh to reach out to those agencies because it's something that we don't really talk about but it's something that can just really make a family's life and moment while they're going through a very difficult time Okay, so everyone's back home. Lauren feels like she's not going to be able to hold the pregnancy till August 20th. So she tells Alex about it and tells him what the doctor said that, you know, baby is three weeks ahead of schedule in weight and size. And Alex is like, nice, I like it. That means he's going to be a Leo. And he tells her, you know, don't worry. It's going to be all good, all the things. And they are going to do a baby moon, which Alex says is payback for his trip to Israel. But they did do a baby moon with baby Shy. They go to their favorite spot in Mexico, which is interesting because she recently posted last month, all four of them went to Mexico. And so I guess they had like a after baby baby moon as well. But for the show, they're going to have to do it sooner and closer because of her new due date. So they're going to like do a staycation at a hotel instead. And Alex is super excited. He's like, yeah, because Lauren's freaking out. We're going to have 202. He's like, oh, yeah. Did you ask the doctor about 303? And he starts laughing because he technically, like um, Vanessa just said, he wants to have four kids, right? Which I think is interesting uh, just to talk about from, you know, like a birthing perspective and midwife Crystal can speak on it, but like, it seems like maybe perhaps she's high risk. So I wonder what that's going to look like moving forward. Because also too, we, if you watch my show, we talk to psychic Maria from 90 day fiance and psychic Maria thinks that Lauren's going to be pregnant this year with baby number three. Um, Dream Big says, all of my kids spent time in the NICU. My twins weighed two pounds, two, 12 ounces, and two pounds, 13 ounces. Aw. Blessings, blessings, blessings. And Crystal says, midwife Crystal says, when I was in high school, I volunteered in the NICU, cuddling babies when parents are away or babies that were in the system. See, all of that stuff, you guys. Think about the NICU babies if you have time. Um, so Lauren needs to feel occupied. So she goes baby shopping with her mom, Marlene. 
and um, they're just gonna buy stuff for Shy because she can't buy stuff for herself, she feels, because nothing fits. We learn, and I don't know why I didn't know this, but her mom, Marlene, is a realtor and, and has helped them look for places to live in the past. And as they grow, the family grows, and as Alex's parents, his whole family, not just his parents, his mom, his dad, and his brother are coming to America, they're going to need a bigger place. But Lauren hasn't told her mom that it's possible that they're moving out of state. Because if you remember from last week, they they were thinking of the Carolinas, uh, more bang for your buck type of situation. And Alex wants his kids to grow up knowing nature, being outdoors, hiking and fishing and all of that stuff. And they don't have that, he feels, um, in Southeast Florida. So Marlene's like, so yeah, like I'm ready to help you guys. Are you guys still considering, you know, living in Southeast Florida? And Lauren like totally shuts down. She's like, oh, I can't have this conversation because you already know they already have like a very tumultuous relationship, right? Three hours max, they can stay down each other. So she doesn't want to really tell her mom this without Alex being there so that Alex can take, quote unquote, the hit. Whoa. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just to follow up, Dream Dream Big's twins are 6'6", six, six, y'all, and 300 pounds. 6'6". Six, six. So they went from 2 pounds, 12 ounces, and 13 ounces, respectively, to 6'6". Six, six. Holla! That's awesome. Um, so they're baby shopping, they're looking at the scoot and ride, which I thought was super cute for Shy. We also find out that uh, a tradition in their family is when a new baby is coming in, the older child buys a gift for the younger child so that they all feel like welcomed, and so. Lauren's mom and dad want to buy Shy an iPad, but Lauren's like, no, Alex says no way because he thinks it's a very American thing for every kid to have an iPad. And he wants his sons to be more outdoorsy and not addicted to screens. And again, I want to know what you guys think about this whole screen situation, because I think we're all addicted to screens. But I, I was thinking, I kind of agree with Alex. Like Shy is not even what? How old is he? Two now? He does not need an iPad. I I think if I had kids and, you know, they were under two, there's no way they're getting an iPad. You're not getting an iPad until you're like 12 or 13. And you're, you're not getting a phone until, I mean, it depends. You might get like one of those BS phones where you can only call the parents and like your emergency contact so that I can find you with all the, the things that you have to do, the soccer, the gym all of those things. But like I, besides that, you're not, you're not getting a social media account. You're not getting your own phone, your iPad. So you can sit there and just know you read a book, draw a picture. Let's go to the park. Let's go for a walk. Let's do all the things outside. Um, but what we're not about to do is you're not going to sit here 24 seven on your iPad. That's what we're not about to do. And you're two. So I totally agree with Alex in that that sense, which is interesting because, like, I love technology. I love gadgets, as you guys know, with my microphones and the cameras and all the things. I'm all about the gadgets. But I think for kids, I think it's important to still have the opportunity to socialize and be able to socialize without having, you know, something in your face all the time. So... The mom's like, oh, let me talk to Alex. You know, I can convince him. And she's like, no, just no, that's not going to happen. Just no. Then all of a sudden, Lauren feels something running down her leg. She's freaking out because she thinks her water broke and it's too early. So she runs to the bathroom. We find out that she just peed a little because uh, the baby was pushing down on her bladder. But she was like freaked out and she had to sit down and it was like a whole trauma for her. She even took her mask off and was like all red in the face. Uh, so she deserved this baby moon that they were going on. So um, they take the kids over to her parents' house. Shy is totally walking, is crawling upstairs. We find out that the dad had major surgery. So he's in a cast. So he can't walk. So it's all going to be on the mom. 
um, to take care of baby shy and he's walking and he's also in a teething phase. So he's like biting on everything and he wants to put everything in his mouth. And so they think it's going to be a big deal. And it's so funny because I think it happens with all new parents. They forget that their parents are like the ultimate parents. Like, listen, you're still alive and walking and breathing. And now you have a new family. So they did something right. Right. But new parents tend to be like, hey, like they had to ask, like, what are the rules? Are there any dietary restrictions? Like, you know, all the things to Lauren and Alex. And I was like, I get it because, you know, you're a new parent. You want to be like, oh, there's this, there's that, there's this. But you're giving, you're literally giving your child to their grandparents and their grandparents kept you alive for what? She's 32 and he's what, 32 as well? For 32 years. So I think they got to know a little something. Anyhow, uh, they joke a little bit about like pregnancy sucks and like, cause they're now going to do an overnighter at the hotel and have this, have this um, baby moon, but it's not going to be about like being intimate because Lauren says that this pregnancy is a lot more uncomfortable for her. So Alex jokes that there's not, there's been little to no action. And Lauren's like, you made me pregnant. That should be good enough. I died of laughter. So they're off for their baby moon, and that's where they left off with them. I'm really enjoying these after the 90-day episodes. I love the fact that they're 30 minutes. They're just enough information, just enough entertainment, and, you know, back-to-back, boom, you got your hour show. I really do hope that TLC decides to bring on some of the OG couples because I think that those, those are the couples that we don't hear about, you know, and I think that we would love to hear from them. And, you know, it can be less drama because it's only like 30 minutes. Like, what have you been up to? You know, Ala just had another baby. What's going on over there? You know? Anyways, I hope they go back, back, like season one, season two, season three cast members. That's what I want to see. Thank you guys for being here. I always forget to hit that thumbs up. Hit that thumbs up. Subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Uh, this week, we've been celebrating 100,000 followers over on Instagram. My goal, and it's all up to you guys, uh, is to tell a friend to come and subscribe to my YouTube. My goal is to get my YouTube page to 5,000 by, I keep forgetting, we're in February, February, by April, by the end of April. I feel like it's doable. If all y'all tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend then we're solid. On that note, uh, let me jump into the live chat real quick. Um, Everyone agrees with Alex with the no to the iPads. Uh, Crystal apparently did something to her brothers to traumatize them. Um, And something, something about Alex sliding into DMs. Oh, Lord. Let us not start the rumor mill. On that note, you guys, uh, happy Thursday. And um, again, thank you for the super chat, word nerd. And I will see you guys all tomorrow, tomorrow. I will see you tomorrow. Bye for now. <laughs>